Branson sits down with Avondale's Liam Boland and chats about penalties, bears, long-range goals and the golden boot. It's a special episode of the Semi-Pro Potty. G'day guys, welcome to a special episode of the Semi-Pro Potty. My name is Branson, I'm sitting at the referees room at Avenger Park to have a chat with Avondale striker Liam Boland. Liam, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Thanks for having me. How are you doing man? Yeah, very good, yourself? That's good. Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. As you can see, we've got a nice little uh, setup here in the referees room and it's a Monday night, training night, so there's some uh, general activity going around, I think there's some music, some training, so there might be a few... Uh, a few noises and stuff going on in the background, but it should all be... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the boys are up and about, ready for training, so Yeah, good. no, it should be good to have a chat. So, look, just wanted to have a chat and, you know, learn a little bit more little bit more about you and your uh, your MPL career and your journey to, obviously, the MPL in Victoria and to Avondale. And just to start off with, I mean, you're a Perth boy, grew up in Perth, playing in WA. How did you first get involved in football? Um, so my parents both loved football, my mum and my dad, and uh, my dad didn't start playing until he was, um, I think, early 20s, but he grew up in the Northern Territory, so um, there wasn't much opportunity for him to play sport there, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, when he started playing, I was born around his mid-20s. Um, from as soon as I could walk, I was kicking a ball, so it was probably, yeah, my dad's doing that I became a footballer, but, um, yeah, obviously... I owe everything I have to them from playing the sport and um, showing me this sport because I do love the sport. So, um, yeah, that's how I came about. And playing in Perth, I grew up there for the um, well, first six years of my childhood. I did grow up on Christmas Island, even though I was born in Perth. Okay, yeah. Um, and then went from Christmas Island back to Perth when I was seven. And from then on, played football there and rose up the ranks in Perth pretty much in the NPL after that. Nice. Did you ever, I mean, growing up in Perth, you know, a bit of footy, a bit of cricket, did you ever, yeah. Wayne, ever try any other sports? Or was so, it all, all football, all soccer all the way? Or so two-sport athlete? No, it was between, uh, obviously, football, footy and uh, cricket. So I played cricket, I played district cricket for a fair bit. I was loving my cricket and I remember one specific pre-season, it was under-15s and I'd won three club championships in a row with my team then Bedford in the cricket and pre-season had started for the under-18s. So I'd gone from 15s to 18s, sorry, so pre-season and started for under-18s at Perth Soccer Club and it was a Sunday and it was a grand final and I was like, am I going to go to pre-season or play the cricket? Yeah. And um, we were batting, so I went and played football and that was probably when I had to make the decision of what am I wanting to do like further down the track and I chose football and it was a pre-season game but it probably was the best decision I made really because I might not have you know if I stayed with cricket who knows what would happen I like it I like it you got sort of like that specific moment you know one day when you're 18 yeah well that's very cool so obviously started with juniors and then worked your way up through the ranks uh, in the WA NPL uh, tell us a bit about that who did you play for Perth and uh, a couple of or another club as well yeah so I, I played Perth in the juniors a bit but then I, I left and I went and played my first season at Swan United um, that was my first season when they were in the top division 
Um, unfortunately, we got relegated in my first season. I started nine games, I think it was. Scored nine goals. <laughs> That's not bad. Um, I, I, we got relegated, which is actually devastating. It was on the final day, I remember it clearly. And one of my good mates um, was through on goal and it, it looked like it was going in and it rolled wide. It was like a... It was like off a movie, really. You couldn't write it. And we, um, if we if we had scored the goal, we would have stayed up. So we lost in the last minutes of the game. We drew that game, but sorry, but um, got relegated. That was my first season. It's pretty much exposure to the league, yeah. So yeah, and then after that, I went to Floriot. Um, really enjoyed my time at Floriot, but in Perth, I always wanted to be back playing at Perth, and they had so much success over the years with some of the players who I learned a lot off, uh, who have played here for South Melbourne as well, like Andreas Oliveri, um, Antonio Naglieri, I think his first name was Antonio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds good, yeah, let's go Nagas, with that. Yeah. <laughs> and even David Onofora as well, so yeah, I had players like this, you know, teaching me my trade, and I think that took me, put me in good stead to play football at a senior level here as well. Awesome. So you obviously spent you know quite a few seasons playing in the NPL over there, and you've spent a few seasons playing in the NPL here in Victoria. I mean, what are what are the main differences between between the two leagues? Are they at similar levels? Yeah. I mean, what are they like? Um, I definitely think the level here is the, the best level in the country for the you know, not the second division, but our version of it at the moment. And um, I think that shows with all the interstate talent that does come to Victoria, but. Yeah, I'd say the money gap is a huge difference. Um, a lot of the footballers over there are, are, you know, English boys who are moving over for, you know, time in the sun. But um, they, they're not good footballers, but it's dominated by, I'd say, an English style of play over there. So it's not, it's a lot of long balls. And even though I'm a big, big guy, that's not my game. So um, here I, I definitely think the football is a, a different level when, you know, it's, it's suited to me a little bit more and I've enjoyed my time in Victoria. So. No, that's right. We can do some definite, uh, definite training activities going on in the background. I think that someone uh, opening up the garage door to get the balls out, pretty pretty important for training. I mean, yeah. you, could try, you could try with no balls, don't know how to go. But So you mentioned, like, two different styles, like, you know, more an English game in WA. Is, it, is the game different here in, in, in terms of style like that, do you think? Or? I think there's teams who definitely implement that style of play with a more direct, you know, approach to the game. But um, there's a lot of teams who do play football here. Like, we're, we're probably, at the moment, I think we're, we're up there with Bentley with playing football-wise, and I think it showed the way we've played this year, you know. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely a few teams who like to play football here, so, I mean, you know, I enjoy those games. It's good to be a part of. Nice. So uh, what brought you to Melbourne? So, obviously, playing in Perth, moved over here. Um, how did switching leagues come about? So uh, when I was about 17, 18, I had a trial on the Gold Coast when they were in the A-League. And, oh, for Gold Coast United? Yeah, nice. Like Miron Blyberg, and... Um, he was interested in signing me at that point, but within he said like it was the middle of the, their season. He said come back for pre-season. You know he was very interested, and I was excited for that. Unfortunately, in that year, Clive Farmer pulled the plug on the oh, club. Yeah, that was yeah. that controversial year. So yeah, um, yeah, that was unlucky for me. But uh, from then, he a couple of years later got in touch again and said, "Do you want to come to Oakley?" And I mean, looking back on it, it was probably a terrible decision for me to go to Oakley but um, it's got me playing like if I look at I'm here in Victoria now I'm I'm loving my football more than I ever have now in the last couple of years but 
that first year after you know being promised money and not, not getting it and um, coming here like moving my whole life over with my, my wife now at the time she was just my girlfriend and um, yeah moving over here a lot of word of mouth agreement which is in Perth is you know you, they're good for it but here I was shafted a little bit by Oakley and it was disappointing to me and I still hold a bit of a grudge to yeah, be honest yep. every well, you, time you, we do play Oakley you I, come up against them in yeah, two weeks so yeah so I mean I really was it was a tough time for me as well um, coming over from Perth I was 22 and I wasn't sure where my football was going and um, yeah I, ha- I wasn't in the squad the first two weeks of that season I remember and I thought I should have been but I wasn't and I wasn't being given opportunity and I think Miron wasn't like keen on staying at the club either. He'd he'd been there a couple of weeks in pre-season. It was looking pretty dodgy to me. So was, was he the coach? Or? He was the coach, yeah. But he, um, I think he had business commitments in Queensland, so he was rarely at training and rarely, you know, he wasn't. You could see he wasn't committed to the cause, and that did me no favours. So yeah, um, yeah. Halfway through the year, I, I decided to go to Green Gully which um, was when it all really turned around for me, I'd say, in the NPL. Nice. So just going back a sec, so before you'd moved to Oakley, mm. did, you, did you know much about the NPL in Victoria? Like, you know, is, mm. is, is, does it have much of a reputation in WA? Was it always sort of like an interest of you to move over here or, or was so, it all just because of that Gold Coast, you know, um, sort of connection where it just sort that, of fell into place? That or? was probably the main thing, but I, I did know like a couple of those players who I told talked about earlier um, from Perth when I played with them. They were, um, like they played at South Melbourne and said the reputation of the league, it's, it's a better standard and that, but I didn't know too much to be honest, so it was all, um, it was all like a shock to me when I moved over really, but yeah. It was it was good. It was good. What was the hardest part about having to move? So obviously you brought your girlfriend, mm-hmm. now wife, over yeah. as well. But I mean, did you find the transition difficult in particular? Because I mean, you said you were promised a lot of stuff, and you, you know we're expecting game time, and then you don't get it. Like, did yeah. you ever like what, what was the hardest part? Um, financially, it was pretty tough to be honest. I remember looking for a place with my missus and not having a job. And I was hitting the savings for a fair bit at the first, just because I hadn't been paid the money I was promised, and that was I was relying on that to get started. So um, I remember it being tough, and it probably affected my football a fair bit, just because of the stresses off the pitch. Um, my my missus actually quit her job in Perth to um, yeah, move over with yeah. me, so it was a fairly big deal. Like she was, she's three years younger than me as well, so. At that point, she was 19, I was 22, you know, and it was our first time moving out of home. So, um, yeah, it was difficult, but I think it made me a stronger person, to be honest. And now I look back and it's probably a good thing that, that it did happen and wake me up a little bit to the outside world. But yeah, all, all sort of worked out in the yeah. end. Did you, did you ever consider going back to Perth? Was that ever on the on the cards? Because, I mean, so you went from Oakley to Green Gully, but, mm. you know, when Oakley wasn't working out, did you ever think, you know what, now nah, back to Perth? Well, or? I'll be honest, if... If the second half of the season didn't go how it did at Gully, I probably would have seen myself going home just because it wasn't... Like, I barely played before I went to Gully. I'd played, I'd scored two goals off the bench against the Knights one, one game, and the next game I was on the bench still. Like, it wasn't... And I, I remember getting a start against Northcote. I only started two games for Oakley and um, being taken off at half-time when I thought I was playing decent. So and it was nil all... So um, there, there just wasn't an opportunity for me at Oakley, and I wasn't a respected name 
yet in the, in the league. So, you know, I had to do it the hard way, and I'll, it wasn't wasn't going well for me there. But yeah. So you moved to Green Gully. What sort of difference did you notice there? Because you sort of said before that you know. Mm. The hardship at Ugly really sort of reignited your career a little bit, gave you a little bit yeah. more of that drive. So, how was that different at Gully, or just um, more opportunity? Or I was definitely like very hungry for success when I moved to Gully. Like I didn't want to fail. To be honest, I had my, all my mates back home seeing me not scoring week in week out, <laughs> and not playing week in week out. So when I went to Gully, um, a big thing for me was playing with Rodrigo Vargas. He really took me under his wing, and he was uh, within. <laughs> I signed for Gully within two sessions. They'd sacked the coach, oh. so before the, <laughs> we actually played Arkdale on my debut for yep. Gully, and um, and then sacked the coach. So we sacked the coach on the Thursday, and the game was on Saturday. Yeah, and it was after training on a Thursday. And I remember uh, now Roddy tells me that he, the coach wasn't going to start me um, that game against Avondale. Roddy took over for the reins for the rest of the year with um, Downsy, who's now the Gully coach. And um, they started me, and I scored a hat trick. I remember scoring my first touch for Gully. So, hey, that's um, not too bad. Yeah, so uh, it was good. It was, it was a start of a really enjoyable year and a half. I, I played at Gully, and to be honest, they're a family club like uh, we are here at Avondale. So I think that sort of um, dressing room, I'd say, vibe is what I thrive under in anyway. Nice. Now, chatting about one particular moment at Green Gully, I reckon it's probably got to be the highlight, FFA Cup. Central Coast Mariners, Green Gully, taking on an A-League time, sorry, an A-League side at Green Gully. You scored the winner. I mean, talk me through it. What was that like? That would have been amazing. And, and, and for those who haven't seen it, the winner's not just a winner. You chipped the keeper from, I don't know, 40 yards out. I mean, talk me through it. Like... Um, yeah, like it was a very special moment, not only because of what had happened, just because my whole family had flown over for the game as well, so... Had my brother and my mum and dad, my brother's missus, obviously my missus on the sideline for the game, and obviously all my mates watching back home as well. Is and it's on TV as well, mm, national yeah, television. So, so they got to watch the game, and they hadn't seen much of me playing in a couple of years because we don't. Have, we, it wasn't streamed like it used to be. Our, our yeah, game. Yep. So um, yeah, it was a very special moment, something that I'll remember for the rest of my life, and um, it was topped off probably a good year at the club. A uh, year and a half at, at the club where I played good football, but we had a special group and we believed that whole week we could do it, so just to be able to do it that way was pretty special. So, with the finish though, so talk me through it. So, did, did you plan to do it? Was it so like, was it something that you'd noticed earlier in the game? You go, do you know what? I mean, the keeper, you know, doesn't mind hovering up at the top of the box. Did you plan to do it or did the ball just sort of come to you and you just sort of looked up and went, I'm going to have a ping? And so, like... so I didn't really used to pride myself on my defensive work too much as a, as a forward um, <laughs> until yep. probably that season under Arthur Pappas where he really got me pressing and got me fit. And, um, yeah, I think once I started doing that, I started seeing opportunities where keepers were off their line after a quick turnover and the chance was on for a chip and... I'd seen it a couple of times that season beforehand and had a couple of goes and been real close, like just over the crossbar sort of thing, and had the keepers beaten if it went in. But um, actually getting the opportunity and seeing it, I saw that game, obviously we were defending a lot and I was playing against an A-League side. You're not going to have the majority of the ball, even though second half we probably did. Um, when we did turn it over, a quick turnover, I, I knew he was off his line. I didn't actually look 
because I, I, that's, that's, it was that's more of like a it was more of like a corner peripheral vision sort of thing yep. have a look um, so I just saw where he was I didn't know how far off he was his line but I knew previously in the game he was off so something that I always look for and um, it's not bad for a no look finish yeah, I was and pretty happy with it it's not the only long range goal you scored either because you said you tried it a couple of times you scored a really good one against South Melbourne from like true halfway <laughs> like from the halfway line and I've seen you try it a couple of times this season tried it again against South Melbourne I think it just went over and I think you hit the crossbar against Green Gully as yeah. well so like it's a, so that's a thing now where you go yeah. you've got the confidence you've got I've done it before yeah, why I'm, not I'll always back myself I'm never not going to back myself I've, I've probably made a couple of mistakes doing it though um, when I've said we've because the counter happens that quickly we've got players like that can get in behind and even on that Gully game if you look at it you can see my teammate Nick Crisarada streaming down the left, and I, if it doesn't go in, I probably cop a spray. Like, why haven't I played him in? But um, it's something that I have to live with. But if I see it, I'm, I'm going to take the opportunity. So, well, I mean, you got the reputation now. So even if you do miss, you go, lads, FFA cap. Yeah. It's, it's still on FoxSports.com.au. You know, go have a look. This is what I'm going for. Yeah. Um, so after your time at Green Gully, you left and joined Avondale. Um, I went to Hume. Oh, sorry. For a season. Oh, Hume for yeah. a season. Yep. Yeah. And then joined Avondale. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, what's it like when you join a new club like that? So is it sort of like your first day at school, trying to get to know everyone, or do you have like expectations going in? What's it, what's it like? Um, I, well, you compare it from when I was younger, joining a club and a senior club, and you didn't have a name. It was tough, you know. You have to try and let your football get the respect of the of the older guys in the dressing room. But I think once you like, I knew a few boys at each club I've been to, and it becomes easier as you're getting older. But yeah, as a young young kid, it was tough, you know. Like you've got to let your football do the talking and earn respect that way. But I think once you've got your name sort of in, in like in the NPL like we do, um, I think it's a bit easier. Um, you've already got that respect as you go in the change room. But yeah, it's it is like your first day of school, and you want to impress on the football pitch to you know earn the respect of your peers. But yeah, nice. So like another thing though, so when you move clubs and obviously you, you make friends and you got relationships with teammates, staff, everyone there. Is it hard to keep those relationships when you move clubs? So like, you know, you you know, you play for Oakley one year and then next year you're competing against them and then you play at Gully and then this year you're competing against them. Is like is that tricky or um, I mean yeah, some some people I do I have stayed close with over the years. Like I used to play with Dujan Bosniak at um, Oakley. I'm still very close with him. He's now at Altona. Um, but yeah, there's some relationships that I do hold close, and um, because I get along with these people off the pitch. But yeah, it is it is a bit tough sometimes when you come up against people, especially the way I play. It's up front, and, you know, with some physical defenders who I might have been friends with over the years playing with. So um, it's it's kind of all left uh, like out off the pitch sort of thing. So if, it's, yeah, on the pitch I'm as competitive as anyone, and I want to win, so I'll do what it takes. <laughs> Nice. So moving on to just chat about Armandale. So obviously it's been a pretty darn good start to the season. I think you could say nine, ge- sorry, nine games, eight wins, one draw, top of the league, undefeated. What's the key to this team's success? Um, I'd say the difference between last year, I'd say just the core groups become even closer and... Um, we 
we've got a great coaching staff this year as well. Real, like all across the board, the coaching staff have been brilliant. Um, Zoki Markovsky taking over the head coach role from assistant. He's obviously had to change what he does a little bit, but he's been unbelievable for all the lads. Um, he's filled me with confidence, and you know I'd run through a wall for him, playing for him. And I think that's a majority of what the, what the boys think as well. Um, obviously, Andy Vargas, who I was uh, playing with his brother, and I knew him from Gully as well. He was always around the club. Um, I think he coached the 20s as well. Yeah, yeah. So I already had a relationship with him, and he knows how I want to play, and he knows what to say to me, and it's, it's already a good relationship. And then Jeff, who play, I played with last year, he's um, been unbelievable as well. We've changed. He's, he's one of the assistants, senior yeah, assistants. Yeah, another assistant coach. So he's been unbelievable as well, and I get along really well with him. And his transition into coaching, I like, couldn't be smoother. Really, he's been brilliant. So. Um, and then obviously we've got Jonathan Barrientos, JB, who, who's our physical coach, and I think it shows from the way we play how fit we are, and we've ran teams over in the last 20 minutes, and we start so well. So he's been incredible for us all, and um, he's definitely got me fit, and I'm, I'm grateful to him as well. So yeah, it's been it's been a really good start, and hopefully we can kick on with it and uh, just keep our feet on the ground because last year obviously losing in the uh, grand final was very hard to take and. That's what motivates me this year. I need some silverware to, to yeah. show for, <laughs> yep. for all these games that we're winning. So. so what's it like playing as a forward in a team that scores so many goals? Like, it's got, it's got to be a dream, right? Yeah, it's got nah, to be good. It's been brilliant this year. Um, obviously, Zinni has been on fire. Valentini's been playing well. We've got so many, much firepower off the bench as well, which is what I think separates us from um, the rest of the league, just our depth. So... Um, yeah, Zinni has been on fire this year. Surely there'll be A-League clubs after him at the end of this season or before the end of the season with the way he's playing. Um, I'm really enjoying linking up with him. I think we have a really good one-two punch at the moment. Um, he's won me a fair few penalties. I've taken a fair few pens this year. Yeah, so well, I'm going to chat about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My finishing probably hasn't been as good as what I liked and has been like last year, but... Um, I think when I do hit my straps finishing, I'll be pretty excited with it because there will be more goals to come. Well, so another thing is, like, so Avondale have the highest scoring mm. offence. You have the tightest defence. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but through nine games, the team has not trailed for a single minute at any stage in any game. So not being behind, which is yeah. remarkable. But, like, what about the team allows it to be so successful at both ends of the pitch? So, like, I mean, obviously teams are good. You know, you get some tight defences. Mm. You get some who are very high scoring. But Avondale are the best of both. Like, what about the team and um, en- enables it to be successful at both well, ends of the pitch? With the not trailing thing, we've, we've, we really do pride ourselves on our warm-up and our start. So when we come out for a warm-up, everyone's switched on and, you know, making sure everyone is switched on um, because when we start a game, it's, you know, it's zero to 100 very quick. So. And you've shown that. I think you've scored yeah. at least... Four goals in within the first, first yeah, yeah, in the first, first five, four minutes, yeah. you know, like super early. Yeah, so that's we get early leads. I'd say because of that, we get the jump on teams early, and I'm sure teams are aware of that and they're trying to stop that. But um, and then not conceding, you know, we defend from the front, like we, we're pressing, and um, it's a whole group effort, just like it is for us to score goals. So um, we've obviously got the best keeper in the league as well, which helps, but. Um, yeah, our backline's been unbelievable this year as well. So 
the group's been going well and, and I'm, from what I've seen, I think it'll keep going in, in the right direction if we just stay focused. So we're recording this on Monday at 5 o'clock, so there's still one game to go in the round, but at the moment you're currently leading the Golden Boot, top scorer in the league. I think you scored 12 this year. Uh, what does that do for your confidence? Is that something that like you think about as a striker during the course of the year? You're like, I'm on top. Does that add pressure, or do you think about it? Um, I mean, I've, I've finished runner-up in the Golden Boot twice in Victoria, so I would love to win it, but... At the end of the day, my main focus this year is wanting to win uh, the trophy. So winning the league would be huge for us. And all the Doherty Cup, I just want some silverware. But um, personal accolades, obviously, it would be a great um, achievement to win the Golden Boot. And it's something that I'd love to do. But, yeah, I do want, I want the uh, team award, especially being co-captain this year as well. Be, I think it would be even more special to you know, lift the trophy at the end. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what I want this year. So you mentioned before penalties, how you've taken quite a few this mm. season. I think you've had seven, yeah. and you've, t- I mean, touch wood, t- <laughs> the table's plastic, but you haven't missed you haven't missed one yet. Yeah. So, like, obviously you don't want to give away, you know, too many of your secrets to all the other NPL <laughs> goalkeepers that are surely listening into the semi-pro potty. But, I mean, like, what, what's, what's the secret to, to taking a penalty? Like, what goes through your head? You're standing there, penalty, ball's on the spot. What goes through your head as you're about to take it? Um, so, I, like I said earlier, I always back myself and I'd like to think I'd do that when I'm on the spot as well. But um, just finding what I'm comfortable with has been the thing over the years. I've always been the penalty taker in the teams I've been in and um, obviously that's given me confidence. But um, I've got my own run-up. I've, I've got what makes me comfortable and I, I just feel that when I've done that and I do it my way, it's, it's going to go in and... Um, that's that's how I've always done it. I've always concentrated on my technique as I hit the ball and not trying to hit it too hard. But yeah, that's that's mainly about it. Just being comfortable and confident as I step up. Are you ever conscious of like which way you went last time? Are you ever, are you ever like, oh, I've, yeah. I've taken the last three penalties left. I can't go left, but then you suck yourself out because the goalie's going. Well, he knows you've gone yeah. left, but he won't go for. Like, do you think so, about that? Or? Yeah, definitely. Depending on what keeper I'm coming up against. I mean, like a couple of weeks ago, we played Hume, and I played a year at Hume with Michael Weir, who was the keeper. So, I wasn't going to go the way I did, but I waited to see where he moved to. I decided on that occasion. But depending on what keeper I come up against, I might sometimes pick away before I take it. Sometimes I might see where the keeper's moving and leave it till right until it comes off my boot, but. I don't think I'd be able to yeah. do that. <laughs> I couldn't leave it that I've practiced uh, over the years. I didn't used to do it that way, yeah. but especially with how many I've taken this year, I think it's become something that's helped me a little bit. I'd say probably three of the penalties I've scored this year, I've, I've waited for the keeper to move to what I've decided. So, um, yeah, it just depends on how I feel and who I'm going up against and how confident I am or what, what I think they're going to do. So, yeah. And so you mentioned your run-up because it's a pretty unique run-up where you sort of, you know, you start lined up straight behind the ball and you've got a bit of a stutter step, swing out wide. How did you develop that? Like, is there a method behind it or is it just something natural that feels good? Or I remember watching a penalty shootout when I was probably around 11 years old. I can't... It was an under-20s tournament. I think it was under-20s Euros or World Cup. I can't remember. It was Netherlands versus someone. I don't know who. And I was watching... Ryan Babel, I think he was at that time in the under twenties, and he was the next. He was the next big thing out of Holland at that point. Didn't end up eventuating to club, do that. But, plays at a great club but, these days. Yeah. But um, he was doing this run up, and a few of the boys in that team did this run up where they t- 
you know, tripped the line up behind the ball and went to the side. And I was like, I'm going to give that a go because, you know, it's, it's probably gets in the keeper's head a little bit as well. More time for me to get to the spot. Um, so I tried it out and from 11 all the way through to now I've, I've had that run up and now I've seen a, a penalty taker in the Premier League using it as well that Mili Jojevic for Crystal Palace oh, he's, he's had scored, I think he scored one overnight pens. he scored one overnight against City free kick he had oh sorry a big one yeah. well, but, not quite the same I'll, I'll be quiet um, <laughs> I thought it was <laughs> he's had I think 10 pens this year so and I think he's scored all of them so his run seems to work the same run up and it's working for him so he must have seen you do it mate <laughs> that's it he, with the live stream he's got this Liam Mullen going I, I need a I need a hop on <laughs> so looking back at last season because you mentioned you know the tough end to the week uh, to the year what was that final week of the year like because obviously you had the outrageous semi-final against Bentley down 3-1 in extra time and then was it like two own goals and a late winner in five minutes to win then you had to so 120 minutes of football mm. then you had FFA Cup away at Sydney 120 minutes of football and then you had to come back and play Heidelberg in the grand final on the Sunday yeah I mean what was that week it was a, like it was a crazy week um, for me personally my head was all over the place purely because we played Bentley I got taken off at half time we were down so I wasn't a part of the big comeback, and I thought in my head, well, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be in the lineup next week, am I? <laughs> oh, I so, so. so just for a bit of context, again in the referees' room, and the whole thing started shaking. So, so. washing machine, or <laughs> it might be um, the washing machine, it might be an earthquake generator. Who knows? Who knows? So anyway, after being involved in every game throughout the year, and I think I was wet, rested once towards the latter end of the, the season, I was. Then worrying about not starting the grand final after, you know, were we even going to make it? Because I was watching from the sidelines. So I was thinking in my head against Sydney, I've got to do something today and give them no excuse not to start me in the grand final. So obviously my first grand final, I want to, I'd be gutted if I didn't start that. So um, against Sydney, I think we showed them too much respect in that first first half, and we were just running around like headless chooks, really. So um, at half time we were going to do a bit more of the same but as a unit we decided we were going to press and it was probably the best thing we did that really took it to them I thought we probably deserved the, the win after, well, well, after di- full time well so. down 2-0 then tied it up at 2-2 yeah. and then unfortunately in extra time they tacked on and ended up yeah. running away with it but you know yeah well talking to myself personally that was probably my favourite that and the, the Central Coast game was probably my favourite two games I've played in my career, probably because I think Sydney, that might be one of the best A-League teams ever that, that we almost beat, so um, yeah, anyway, for the, to show such good character and almost come away with that um, and I'm scoring a couple myself, I, I truly don't think I would have started the grand final if I didn't um, score those two goals, so Helped yourself yeah, out. Helped myself out, but obviously on the Sunday couple of mistakes and we we go down early to Heidelberg and um, we first half we probably the stage was a bit too big for us we we had a lot of players that haven't played in grand finals before obviously at Amy Park and they had that experience over us and then the second half we absolutely dominated and what we scored yeah unlucky not to Equalised yeah. it down two nil. Yeah. When when you were down two nil, though, were you just sort of like, well, were the lads just like, guys, this is our comfort zone, having come from behind <laughs> against Bentley, or, come from behind against Sydney, go been here, done that, bring it on. It was, the game wasn't over until it finished, just purely because of how how we come had so many comebacks during the year and played played so well, especially in that week. So 
um, yeah, we we didn't ever lose hope, and you're not going to throw it away in a grand final. Eh? You're not going to give up in a grand final. So um, yeah, we almost pulled it back. It was un- unfortunate that we didn't, but um, yeah, we definitely. I'd say a lot of the boys in there are hungrier for for this year purely because of the loss last year. Well, coming back to this year, perfect question for this one is: What do you reckon is the biggest obstacle this year to Avondale? getting some silverware, finishing on top and winning the grand final, what's going to be the biggest obstacle, do you um, reckon? So obviously you've got your Heidelbergs, your Bentley, um, even Altona are looking good this year, but I think it'll be ourselves, um, really. I think we've got the strongest team and if we can just keep our feet on the ground and keep focused, um, I don't see us you know, losing too many points along the way, but... Um, yeah, we just got to keep focused and keep doing the same things and keep our feet on the ground. And if we do that, I'm, I'm confident we can win something this year. Who's the toughest team to play in the NPL? Oh, the last since I've been in Victoria, it's been at first it was probably South and Bentley with Heidelberg along there. But now I'd, I'd say it's Heidelberg this year will be our toughest opponent. Um, Bentley are still right up there as well. Um, it's always physical against Heidelberg and they always bring that side of things so you've got to match them for that but um, we've got a physical team as well and we play good football so hopefully that gets us over the line this year Very nice, so chatting about some uh, some other broader football things so you're a, you're a Tottenham fan so just uh, just how big of a Spurs fan are you? Well I've got to there to do tattooed on my foot which is the Spurs motto so. Oh yeah? Um, I've been, is that uh, on your goal scoring foot? <laughs> yeah, it is actually on my left foot. I always put my left boot on first. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, there you uh, go. Yeah, no, it's, it, I'm a massive Spurs fan. I absolutely love Tottenham. So um, I was lucky enough to go to White Hart Lane before it was demolished, the old White Hart Lane. And um, I'm hoping to go after the season this year to go watch some Premier League in the new stadium, which looks incredible. That's so. Great. That'd be amazing. Yeah, 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 it looks absolutely amazing. So I mean, I started supporting the club. I'd say it was a bit later on. I mean, as a kid from like six to ten, I just used to watch Real Madrid, and my favourite player was Raul. Um, so not not really someone that I emulate my game on. <laughs> but finishing wise, he was always in the box and a great finisher, a great poacher, which I do have that about me. So I was like my poaching skills around the box. I do pride myself on that as well. Um, but yeah, he's not the same player as me. But I love watching him play. Um, um, but yeah, we started supporting Tottenham with my dad when I was about ten, I would have said. Um, we so both was he was he what made you become a Tottenham fan? No, we, he didn't. Wa- he didn't watch Premier League. He was just, he used to watch Barcelona um, a lot, and that's how he developed the love for football. But we wanted to support the same team, so started watching Tottenham, and we were rubbish when we started watching them. You know, we were in the relegation zone as well. A couple of years later, we under Juan de Ramos and. Harry came in a few few years later and it started getting a lot better from that point and so that was a big turning point for us when Harry Redknapp came in and um, now we've got, I think, one of the best managers in the world under Pochettino and what he's done for the club with not, not much to spend has been really impressive and I just hope he gets funds at the end of this season and if we can qualify for Europe next year and, and attract some big names, I think we'll be a force to be reckoned with next season. So what's it like then going for the second best club in London? Second, oh, second best club. I, I go for Fulham. Oh, Fulham, super Fulham. Best, best team in London. 
And oh, I don't even want to give you any <laughs> stick, mate, because you've been relegated and well, it's a hey, horrible feeling. But it is, and it's very emotional. Yeah. But, I mean, we're definitely the best club in London because oh. we've, we're the club in London that's most recently won silverware, most yeah. recently won trophy. I yeah, mean, you can't... Well, you, you can't, that, you you can't can Well, you can't argue with that. It might be the third place championship <laughs> playoff trophy, but, I mean, a trophy's a trophy. I yeah. mean, uh, I mean, when you just came up, I didn't think you'd go da- back down straight away. Neither did I. To be honest. Yeah. Um, you started the year pretty well with Mitrovic scoring goals for fun. Love so, yep. yeah, I would have thought you might have stayed up this year, which is unfortunate for you, but... Um, I'm not even going to call it a London Derby, <laughs> mate, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> anymore, mate. Yeah. The only London Derbies are really uh, Chelsea and Arsenal for us. The other teams we're just wiping the floor with. No one, even, <laughs> no one even cares about the Premier League anymore. The Championship's better anyway. I'm looking forward to next season. Uh, predictions. So here we go. Three questions for you as a Tottenham fan. Yeah. Let's see what you reckon. So will Tottenham advance in the Champions League? So they're up 1-0 against Man City after the first league. Will they advance, yes or no? Yeah. Yep. I think we lose 2-1 and go through um, on away goals. That's what I'm thinking. I can, if we score, I can't see us conceding three goals. We'll play three centre-halves. Even to a potent team like no, Manchester City? No, I think we've got a really good defence when we're on. I think Alderweireld, Batongan and Sanchez are as good a three centre-half pairing in the world as you'll see at any other club. Um, so, yeah, I'm confident. Then you've got Son... On the counter, he plays Son on the counter. He scores once. We were through, I think. So that's what I'm holding on to. And you know what? I wouldn't have said we were going to get through until we we played that first game. But before the game, I was talking to a couple of my mates, and I said, "Well, this is uncharted territory for them as well." You know, and we're called the bottle jobs because we do bottle a lot of you know big moments. But they they haven't been in this position really before in the Champions League either, or in recent years. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that was my that gave me a bit of confidence as well because their group hadn't played at this stage either. So well, so all right, so you reckon you're going to advance yeah, against so. City in the Champions League? Yeah. Will you then beat City in the league because you play them in uh, the? Sorry, you're playing the Champions League yeah. this week and then playing them in the league next weekend. So will you beat them in the league? I don't think we'll beat them in the league. Um, a draw? We'd be lucky to get a draw. I think with the way we'll, we'll be. It's going to be tough. They've got the league right in their fingertips, so they'll be like they'll have everything for that. But and it's out theirs as well. I don't know. We've got a goal lead in the Champions League. That's giving me hope. But I'd I'd be hopeful for a draw in the league. All right, and last one: Will Spurs finish top four and make Champions League next season? Yes or no? I think yes. Yeah. I think. Um, Are you nervous? I am nervous, especially with Kane going down. If Kane hadn't gone down, I would have said yes, 100%. Now it's a lot of pressure on Sonny. So um, I think the only game I'm really thinking we should be dropping points is that game we just spoke of next City week. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then we've got Everton last day of the season. The other games in between, we've got to only, be only the really good teams beat Everton. Yeah, didn't see that one coming. No, neither did I. First win in nine weeks yeah. or something. Yeah. Far. And you said you're nervous about Europe. I mean, I think the easy solution to that is just you know just don't make it. You know, that's <laughs> it. Pull them. You know, I'm mean, nervous. I mean, we made the Europa League final years ago, and uh, who was it? Oh my gosh. Uh, Crystal Palace Roy Hodgson yeah. oh, I can't believe I almost forgot his yeah. name um, but you know since then haven't yeah, had to worry well, about European qualification we don't, you know? we don't qualify we're probably not going to attract any big names <laughs> and, uh, 
there's rumours of Bale leaving Madrid at the end of the year and I'd love to see Bring him come back. back so I think a lot of this uh, fan base would so that's a possibility and I'd say if we sell Ericsson like I think we will he might be involved in that deal so I just think Champions League's a must in the new stadium as well very nice so off the field just you know changing tracks a bit here so you're actually a photographer off the field you take some awesome pictures uh, how long have you been doing that for? Uh, so I started my own business probably a year ago but I've been taking photos for years now um, I absolutely love it I love any aspect of it really I, I love I'm, hope, I'm getting into weddings but wildlife I love doing landscape I love doing I've got my own drone as well so I mean that's um, pretty cool yeah no, it's, it's pretty good seeing the world from above like it's a different aspect on a, a life from up there so it's, it's pretty cool um, definitely looking at keeping to do it and after football obviously uh, that's what I'll be doing so um, I'm, I'm loving it yeah was it tricky to balance you know photography because obviously you got your own business and then you know playing football mm. is it hard to balance the two and find time for both or? it is especially with week- a lot of jobs or weekend jobs like weddings so I've had to say no to a couple of people this year because my football's still like taking priority over work at the moment but um yeah, definitely after. I'm hoping it'll kick off after my football. But, yeah, it is it is hard to balance sometimes, especially if it's an early morning sunrise shoot and then you've got training on, on that day. You know, it's a long day. So, yeah. What would be some of the coolest or most amazing, like, things or places or stuff that you've been able to photograph? So um, I went to Banff National Park in Canada um, on my honeymoon as part of my honeymoon. Um, when we did tour of the US and Canada with my wife at the end of last year and I absolutely love grizzly bears but I was probably not very hopeful that I was going to see one in the wild just purely because they're going to hibernation at that time of the year and um, I've never seen one ever before but I obviously watched all David Attenborough <laughs> and I know a lot about them, my favourite animal yeah. but um, yeah we were in Canada and I went into a photography shop like a gallery on the main strip in Banff and this woman came up to me I was looking at a photo of a big male grizzly and she said oh do you know who that is and I said no and she goes he's, he's the boss and I was like oh who's that and he was like she was like oh it's the uh, biggest grizzly in Banff he's been hit by a train because oh. the, the trains drop seed on the track over there yeah, and these yeah. bears feed off the seed on the yep. track so that a lot of them have been hit by trains and died but he survived. I was going to say how big does a bear have to be to yeah. hit by a train, hit by yeah, a so train and, a, and do alright? He has a bit of like a wonky leg in that but <laughs> he's a, he, he's like father to 18, 80% of the young in Banff, he's a oh, massive yeah. grizzly so she was like oh if, if you're going to see one it'll be him or another male grizzly who are out still the rest are all asleep for the, for the year so we went down this road where she'd said to drive, but she was like, you're less than a 1% chance of seeing him. Like, he roams all about. Um, and we saw this shadow cross the road up, up like 500 metres. We were driving. Drove up to the shadow. In my head, I was like, that was a bear, but I didn't and see it. I didn't no see idea. Him. Is there anything? And I, my wife said after that she said this, was thinking the same thing, but she didn't want to get me excited or anything. So... We drove up and saw a silhouette in the trees, like about 20 metres in off the road, and lucky enough, it was a big grizzly bear, and it ended up being him, and I, I got some photos. I didn't get out of the car, obviously, because it was too close, but he walked up onto the road, probably about five to seven metres away from me, a big 900-pound bear, so it was a really special moment, which um, I'll never forget, and being so close to such a big, powerful force was... Uh, 
pretty impressive. But yeah, five to seven metres from a grizzly. Obviously, the car was running, and not, it was still probably too dangerous being in the car like that with the window down, shooting away. But um, yeah, it was very special. So that's uh, I'd, I'd say that's pretty darn cool. Yeah. Pretty, so if people want to uh, check out some of your photos, some of your yeah. photography stuff, I mean, where can they where, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, shameless plug. Uh, oh, well, yeah. I mean, oh, no, I've, I've had a look, they're pretty good, they're pretty awesome, um, you know. So on Instagram, at Liam F. Boland, uh, yeah, that's where I put a lot of all my stuff up, but my website is liamboland.com.au, and then Liam Boland Photography on Facebook. Nice and easy. Now, one last question for you on the photography angle here, what would you give to have a photo of you lifting the championship trophy this year? Oh. You mentioned you mentioned you want the silverware. What 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 would you give? What? Oh, I don't know if I could put a price on it to be honest. <laughs> so I'm especially not winning a senior trophy. So um, yeah, playing football. This is what my eighth year in senior football. So if I haven't, haven't if I don't win a senior trophy at the end of my career, I'd be devastated. So I don't think there's anything. I can't put a price on it to be honest. For me, it's something that I'll really have prioritised this year. So. Um, yeah, I just hope it does. It's a bit of a dream at the moment. It does come true at the end of the year. Fantastic. Well, I mean, as far as the season goes, I mean, you're off to a good start. The Cole Club's off to a great start in fine goal-scoring form. So, I mean, we'll see how the uh, see how the year goes. But that's pretty much all uh, all I've got for you, mate. Thank you very much for uh, joining us on the podcast and telling us a bit about yourself and giving us some uh, insight into your career. No worries, mate. Thanks so much for having me. Too easy. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to a special episode of the Semi-Pro Potty. Huge shout out to Liam Boland for taking the time to chat with us. We hope you enjoyed it and found it interesting. Make sure to hit us up on social media and keep being semi-professional. Semi-Pro.